So as I said, it, it is such a delight to be back here. I've been gone for a long time, which is, I know, very common for me not to be here, but uh, <laughs> it's still nice to come back. And for the last six weeks, I was teaching um, half of this uh, three-month retreat that goes on on the East Coast. It's a, it's a three-month retreat that's been going on for probably over 40 years, 43 years. And there's something so powerful about it. So I, I feel so grateful to have the opportunity to teach on this long retreat. And it's something I do every year, one of the, the, the first half of it or the second half of it. And I don't know what it was this year, but this year I came home so inspired by many of the practitioners that were on the retreat, especially the ones I was working with individually. Um, just to see, you know, how, how, uh, how their lives are being transformed by really taking some time to be in deep retreat, to really learn about what it is to meditate and to go through the struggle that comes with that. And I think the thing that I, I found that was the most uh, deeply moving about it was there was a number of people I was working with and that was their their willingness to be curious about those really tough states of mind that arise mm -hmm. in our lives. You know, those mind states such as fear, self-judgment, anger, you know, irritation, being curious about anxiety. And I want to point out, you know, sometimes when people think about a long meditation retreat, they, there's, there can be this imagination that things just get more calm and sweet <laughs> and nice. <laughs> It just ain't the case a lot of times. <laughs> it, can, it, it, can, it can be so tough and challenging because you're so confronted with yourself. And just to have the spirit of, especially seeing people to go through, through real difficulty, just to come in and be like, you know, I'm down for this. I am down for just being with this crazy mind. And, and I want to take some time with these mind states, these difficult ones. And that clarity of like, oh, I'm not here just for calm. I want to come to terms with this mind because I know it's going to do the same things after this retreat. So I want to learn how to relate to these things. It was this big yes to challenge that was so inspiring to see day after day in their, in their meditation retreat. And I want to point out this can be so unusual about how we face challenges, especially these challenges of our own minds. Because I think usually, maybe your mind's like mine, and sometimes this is why we come to meditation, right? We, we have some kind of challenge, and it's like, maybe meditation will help this stop happening in my mind, right? Isn't that a, a, kind of an obvious thing? <laughs> many of this, maybe I'm the only one that's open for that? <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> I was getting nervous there, a little anxious. <laughs> so I want to say that's a normal and natural thing. <laughs> Right? We, we're, we struggle with these minds, and, and yeah, there's this impulse to want to get rid of these difficulties. And really, so much of the spiritual path is, is instead of this mere getting rid of, how can I relate to them differently? And that's the real, this is the one turn that I want to talk about tonight is, is, this, is this multifaceted one turn. But one is like, I want to learn how to relate to these difficulties differently. So I set aside, I want to get rid of these and be like, oh, I'm down for this. I, I want to take some time with these challenges in my life. Mm -hmm. Really what I want to share with you tonight. Because that's where the freedom is. It's a different relationship to these hearts and minds of ours.
the Zen poet Ryokan uh, puts it well. He, he says, to find the Dharma. Remember, the Dharma can be translated to find the truth, the truth of the matter of our lives. To find the Dharma drift east and west, come and go, entrusting yourself to the waves. To find the Dharma drift east and west, come and go, entrusting yourself to the waves. Can you have this aspiration in your life to ride the waves of your life, to entrust yourself to the waves of your life? The waves of the joys and sorrows, the waves of the successes and failures that you've probably experienced, the waves of times of clarity, the waves of confusion, the waves of excitement and boredom, the waves of gain and loss. This is the human life, isn't it, these waves? Can you ride those waves? Can, can you begin to entrust yourself to those waves? And I think that's the heart of this path, and I'd even venture to say that's the heart of a spiritual life. Here you are, you've been thrown into this life of yours. And a lot of it is not your choosing. Right? We, 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 we come with all kinds of challenges and difficulties that it feels like we're thrown into. And yet it's, it's yours to navigate. And how will you do that? How will you ride the waves? How will you entrust yourself to the waves of your life? And I want to say some of it is just like these practitioners that I was sharing with you on this three-month retreat. Can you have that yes to the challenges when the waves are challenging? To actually confront them skillfully, to move with them, to move through them in a way that brings freedom. And of course, I, I want to point out, I'm oversimplifying it. There are experiences in our lives, which is part of being a human, that are overwhelming when things are, are too much. And when things are too much, I sometimes bring out a different kind of tool set that what I'm, than what I'm going to be sharing with tonight. And some of the skill is, is getting a sense of when is something too much and I need some other tools. And I'll go, you know, share a, a few of those tools. But I'm talking about more the level of challenge when, yeah, life's difficult, but there's a way to meet it with one spiritual practice. And to have the spirit of, yes, I'm, I'm down for this. I want to take some time with these challenges in my life. You know, in, in Tibetan Buddhism, you know, there's a little bit coming from a different tradition, uh, you know, Theravada or you could say these early Buddhist texts. But in Tibetan Buddhism, they have this really wonderful phrase around this. They, they, they'll, they'll say, um, grant that I may be given appropriate difficulties and sufferings on this journey so that my heart may be truly awakened and my practice of liberation and universal compassion may be truly fulfilled. Mm -hmm. 
What would it be like to start your day like that? Okay, today, may I be granted the appropriately, appropriate difficulties and sufferings today to really deepen my journey, to really make sure that my heart can be liberated. There's something bold about that, isn't there? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the ultimate of like, I am down for this, like, bring it on. Like. And there's something about that that can be empowering. There was, there was one practitioner that was on this retreat who was having an extremely difficult time, and that was the turn. There was just this, this whole tangle of anger and anxiety that was coming up just by just being confronted with their mind, and it started to get really intense. And I remember them coming in and just being like, I am so down for this. Like, I am going to sit through this. Like, I want to be with this. And that was a really important turn of the, yes, this is, this is what's going to deepen my spiritual practice. And yes, it's difficult to get to that point. <laughs> I want to point that out. <laughs> this is a process that I'm talking about. I mean, it'd be wonderful if we can all leave here and be like, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> but maybe to play with that, what would it be like to have that aspiration? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready for these challenges. Please give them to me so that this heart may, may learn about liberation and universal compassion. Because it turns things around so often I know I can wake up hoping that I won't be met with challenges. Those are the days I really want. And there's almost like a, a bracing that happens. So having the spirit, having also the spirit of curiosity around these challenges. There's a story of the, the Buddha that fits with this. There was a, a Brahmin who came and asked the Buddha, you know, he said, you know, what's up with all these people, these, these people that want to become monastics uh, and come live the spiritual life? You know, I, I don't understand it. This is what this Brahmin was asking the Buddha. I, I don't understand this. Can you explain it to me? Because it's not easy to endure the wildness of the jungles and forests that you practice in. And so at that time, you know, monastics, what they would do is they'd come into the village and they'd beg, beg for food, but then they would go for their, what's called their days abiding, which is the time for meditation and sleeping into the, the forest, into the jungle. And it's important to know that during the Buddha's time, the understanding of forest and jungle is probably different than ours, maybe not, but it was often a place seen to be a place of great danger and in a particular way in the particular way of being visited by a lot of times unseen beings in the forest that were there to give you trouble, to, to strike you with fear, to haunt you in some manner. And this was really a lot of times the way that the, the jungle and forest were understood. And so to make this question that the, the Brahmin is asking the Buddha um, more relevant maybe to our modern lives, a kind of language is, is, I think he was asking kind of maybe in an allegorical way, you know, it's not easy to endure the wildness of these minds of ours. And maybe you've noticed that. How would you want to do a spiritual life knowing that that's what it's about? It's about confronting the wildness of our minds, how they cause a suffering. And maybe you've 
experience these unseen beings that visit us in the wildness of our minds, whether it be the shame or the worry or the judgment, the stress or the anger or the irritation, the fear of missing out, the fear of failure. What are the unseen beings that come visit your mind in this way that haunt you? It's not easy to endure the wildness of the jungles and forests. It's not easy to endure the wildness of these minds. And yet here's this different direction that we have with this path that Ria Khan points to, to, to find the Dharma, drift east and west, come and go, entrusting yourself to the waves. So how did the Buddha answer him? No. How, did the, how does the Buddha ride these waves? How does he entrust himself to the waves? And so he explained kind of his own process around coming to terms with the wildness of the jungles and forests, the wildness of the minds. And this is what he said to the Brahmin. He said, well, you know, I thought to myself, this is what I'll do is on those nights that these unseen beings in the wildness of the jungles and forests are particularly active and creating chaos, those are the nights I'm going to go into the jungle and the forest. Mm. Uh, this, is, this is my practice. Yes, yeah, but grant that I may be given the appropriate difficulties for my path. Right? Here he's saying the same thing. I'm, I'm down for this. Like, I want to take some time with this mind. Sign me up for this. This is what I want to learn about. And again, what are those nights for you in the forest and jungle? When those unseen beings invade the mind? Is it those nights that you wake up in the middle of the night filled with anxiety? Or those nights when you go to work in the morning? Is it when you're on the phone with your ex? When you're watching to new, the news, when your kids come home from school, when you see those emails or those never-ending bills or the stress around finances. Maybe it's those nights where you're interacting with that family member or your partner, or your boss, or an employee. Maybe it's around the current political situation those nights, or the climate catastrophe. What are those nights for you? So how did he ride the waves during those nights? How did he entrust himself to the waves? So this is what he, he did on those nights. He said, when my mind got filled with fear while I was sitting in the jungle, 
I would continue to sit, sit and ca until I came to terms with that fear. And if, if, the, if the mind got filled with fear when I was standing, I would continue to stand until I came to terms with that fear. When it came while I was walking, I would continue to walk until I came to terms with it while I was walking. And when my mind got filled with fear while I was lying down, I would continue to lie down until I come to terms with fear. Right, the spirit, I, I'm down for this. Sign me up for it. I want to learn how to relate to these states of mind differently. It's a big yes. So how do we ride these waves? How do we get a, a more nuance in what the Buddha was, is pointing to here? So maybe through a particular lens here, which I find is interesting. You know, I was, I was just reading an article about, uh, this, is, this article is actually no surprise probably, but the, when they've done studies around um, uh, people's perceptions of climate change and the climate catastrophe, that anxiety and worry is on the rise. Mm. Right? There's more and more people that are <coughs> shaken by that whether it be the result of, you know, the, the impact it is having on people's lives directly or the anxiety of how the world will be for ourselves or our children or our grandchildren in the coming dec decades. And it's interesting in the world of psychology, there, there's been this exploration of like, well, how to navigate this, how to navigate this anxiety and worry from a psychological point of view. There's, I think there's many different facets, so I'd, I really want to point that out, but just in terms of navigating this mind And it fits, part of it fits with what I'm talking about, which is to slow down and to feel these feelings of anxiety or grief or fear. To normalize them, that's the natural response around challenges. So this is different than avoiding such feelings or simply feeling guilty about the situation. It's about feeling the feeling itself, and I'll get into more detail about this too. And the other facet that they point out is community, the importance to connect around such things, the sense of, of finding a space that, that our challenges can be held in a broader space. And hopefully that's what this is about. We come together in a particular way in silence, but hopefully we hold each other together in the silence in this manner. And of course, other communities, sometimes communities where that are taking action, and that's another place, is how do you act in, such, in the face of such challenges? How do we continue to respond, even if it's in a small way, to give our, our system a sense of, of moving, at least, in the midst of such challenge? And this is what it is to, to find the Dharma, to find the Dharma even in these challenges. Drift east and west, come and go and trusting yourself to the waves. You know, I, I know one of the big challenges for me, like I, I wish I, I was thinking of saying in the past few months, but I think it's been in the past few years, is um, my anger around politics. 
feels never ending. <laughs> and, and I want to be clear, there can be a wholesome kind of outrage to injustice that can be transmuted into skillful action. And this anger for me, it's just who's suffering from it? Me. That's about it. <laughs> like it's just, it's just, it has the sense of, of, of a sense of stewing in it, in it. And I notice when it's intense, it's not really helping the world or anyone. So I want to kind of be clear about the kind of anger that I'm talking about. And that's the question, how do I not blind myself to the world and fall victim to it, but find a way through it? And it is, the first step is what I'm talking about, which I come back to again and again. It's this yes, this yes, I'm down for this. I want to learn how to relate to this differently. And then it's also this one turn that I want to talk about, which is so important, which is the one turn of noticing the feeling itself, just as I was talking about around climate change. Can I notice the feelings more than the content? So this is really important about meditation. When I come in and I sit down and I'm sitting in meditation, maybe something arises that gives me a feeling of anger or fear or sadness. And instead of having my attention pointed to what that is, I'm angry at that person or this situation, I be, try to become curious about the anger itself. How does the anger feel? So I need to take that turn of stepping out of the story and feel what's going on. Oh, anger feels like, like this. In terms of meditation, it doesn't matter what the object is. Like my mind, it can get angry about all kinds of things. It can get, get afraid about all kinds of things. And sometimes when it's in the swirl of fear or maybe anger, it feels like it's just looking for the, the thing that's closest in the mind. You ever have that experience? <laughs> so it's like, oh, this is what I want to get to know is I want to get to know this mind. I want to get to know the jungle of this mind. And it takes the habit of becoming, stepping out of the content and becoming really curious about the emotion itself, the reactivity itself. And so that's what I do is like, oh, I'm, I'm down for this. I want to learn how to unhook myself from this feeling when it comes up. Can I look at the news and feel that, but to be like, oh, here it is again. Yep, here it is, anger. Am I going to be hooked by this or not this time? And what determines that is simply being aware of it. Oh, here it is, anger. Interesting, and a lot of times I'll use that word, interesting. It's just like this. Oh, there's the tightness. Yep. Oh, there's the wanting the world to be different. Yep. Here it is. Oh, and there's the hook. To start to have space around that. Do you hear how this is a different relationship, the way I was talking about this at the beginning? It doesn't mean that I end up just being a bump on a log and not doing anything. I'm not talking about that. But it's so much easier to be in the world and act in the world if I'm not a victim of my mind. And if I don't want to be a victim of my mind, I need to have some kind of practice that I come back to again and again to learn how to relate to this mind differently. It's the only way I know that works. I mean, if you know a better way, that's great. The kind of the, the, the magic pill. I mean, I'm always looking for a good magic pill. I mean, that's sent me down the wrong road a lot of times, but... <laughs> It's about the repetition of a practice. Someone 
summed up uh, Aristotle's Nicomachean ethics, his, his, uh, his understanding of what it is to, to live our lives, and, and was summed up by saying that excellence is not an act, it's a habit. So I'm learning this habit of making this one turn of what's going on right now. So you're sitting, you're paying attention to the feeling of the breathing, your mind gets lost in thought. When your mind's lost in thought, when, when that mindfulness comes back and you realize you're lost in thought, that is a really important moment. A lot of times people feel like, oh, meditation is just coming back to the breath. No, 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 no. <coughs> Here it is. Here's, this, here's the chance for the yes. Oh, interesting. No worry. Interesting. Worry feels like this. So I check it out just for a moment, and then I come back to the feeling of the breathing. Planning. Interesting. The mind's planning again. Oh, it's, there's a feeling of excitement there. Let me check this out. Interesting. I step out of the story and then I come back after that to the feeling of the breathing. The repetition of seeing what the mind is doing is really important in the simple way. Not I'm worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. The worry itself. Not I'm angry at that person. Anger itself. So can you make the one turn? And you'll see it's difficult because we're so interested in the content. Content doesn't matter in terms of the meditation. What's the feeling? And do you hear in that there's the training where, where the mind starts to unhook? It's, it, it starts to have some space around these emotions. Now, this is the, this is, this is the way to find the Dharma, to drift east and west and to come and go and to learn how to entrust yourself to the waves, to learn how to ride the waves. You know, after the, the Brahmin heard all this from the, the Buddha, you know, he said, well, says to the Buddha, why do you keep on going into the jungle? How would you do that? I mean, okay, you got something out of it, but seriously, what's up with that? And he said, it was really interesting what he said. He said, oh, um, he says, it is because I see two benefits to it, that I still resort to remote jungle, to remote jungles, resting in places in the forest. And the two benefits is that I see a pleasant abiding for myself here and now, which is kind of wild, which I want to talk about. And I have compassion for future generations. These are the two benefits for going into the wildness of these mines, these jungles, these forests. And some of you might have experienced the first is like, there's something really pleasant that starts to arise about being in the here and now with the mind, no matter how it is, to start to rest in a different place in being aware. Ah, it feels good to rest in being aware regardless of what's happening. This is a new home for me. Rather than having my home in self-judgment and fear, it's in awareness. Self-judgment and fear still might arise, but I've decided to live in a different place. Then it doesn't matter if there's fear or anger or irritation or worry. It's a pleasant abiding in the here and now, but I need to go into the forest to, to find that pleasant abiding. And what a gift to the world to have that this can be an expression of compassion for future generations. 
So let's give it a try. Let's try a yes. So um, what I invite you to do is to stand up, maybe move around a little bit if you need to, and then we'll begin to sit together. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.